0: Blog Talk Radio Round one
1: Fight 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 fight
0: Minions. Welcome to the Balance Special March Madness 2018 Special. We do a March Madness Special every year along with our Super Bowl Special and our Indy 500 Special. You know, we just a lot of times we like to just be special. Well, I tell you what, this March Madness has been one for the books. We're going to be bringing in our panel here in just a moment. Matthew uh, Embry from up in Notre Dame country uh, is going to be calling us um, from 96.1 FM, uh, WSBT. He also is our, on the balance, our IndyCar contributor, but certainly uh, covers a lot of Notre Dame and NCAA with WSBT. Also, Mo from the BS Sports Show uh, will be joining us here also. Mo, are you with us, sir? Yeah, well, good morning. Good morning to you, sir. Is your bracket still intact? It's not terrible. not terrible. Not, can live with it. Can live with it. And uh, joining us also, Matthew Embry from up in Notre Dame country, 96.1 <laughs> FM, WSBT. How are you, sir?
2: I take it then Mo uh, must have picked uh... – Virginia, UMBC to be Virginia. Then that's how his bracket's still intact.
0: <laughs>
2: no, I've,
1: actually, I've got Cincinnati going from that region. That's how it's the only way I made it uh, because I had a I was drunk the night I did my bracket.
2: <laughs> there you yeah, go. Hey, I that's mean, the
0: best time to do it.
2: Yeah, big shocker uh, Matt, in that one, obviously with Virginia losing. But uh, hey, there's still a chance for me to win my bracket. Crazy enough because I've got actually eight or seven of the nine picks so far in the Sweet 16, I have correct. So, I may be able to salvage something. We'll see.
0: We'll see what happens. Now, real quickly, talking about salvaging something, obviously, I know that you're up there in Notre Dame country. Uh, Your station uh, does a lot with Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame not making the big dance this year, unfortunately, but they are in the NIT. What are your thoughts?
2: Well, that dream's over too. Unfortunately, they played just a very Notre Dame-like game against Penn State. We're soundly beaten, so... Unfortunately, you know, the careers for Bonzi Colson, who unfortunately injured his ankle again yesterday. Yeah, the careers for him, Matt Farrell, unfortunately they're all over for Notre Dame, and it's a shame because uh, this is a team that I think a lot of people thought had a chance to challenge in the ACC, maybe make a run the NCAA tournament. That dream's all over with now, and uh, you got to feel real bad for them that, unfortunately, it just hasn't worked out this year.
0: Got a big game going on for the lo- local flavor here in Indiana, anyway, and that is Purdue and Butler playing later on today. Uh, we're still—I've been getting mixed messages. Uh, Matt Painter said in a press conference it doesn't look like that uh, Isaac Haas is going to play, but then we saw that he was doing warm-ups in practice, so I don't think he's going to play. But we'll—we'll we'll see how that—that that pans out. We'll get to that game here in just a minute. Let's start with breaking down and doing an overall view of the—the the brackets. Uh, of the divisions, and we'll go through and try to get through all of the brackets. Obviously, we're not going to touch every game, but we'll start with you, Mo. One of the biggest games is that uh, schooling, that destruction of Virginia with UHMBC uh, and the uh, Retriever Dogs. Go ahead, sir. What say you?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a really fun game to watch. I mean, not if you're a Virginia fan, but a fun game to watch nonetheless. the uh... You know, you look at a Virginia team that uh, lost arguably their best player in their sixth man uh, right before the day before the tournament, which uh, obviously hurt them. But you know, Virginia, like uh, we talked about a little bit yesterday, they're a team that hasn't played from behind a lot this year, and it's a different mentality when you're down big like that, especially in a in a single elimination game. So uh, I, I don't think there was a, a spot that Virginia was familiar with. And let's be let's give credit to UMBC. I mean, they they shot the lights out. They were fast. They were quick. They were everywhere. Uh, grabbing rebounds, uh, grabbing a lot of offensive rebounds and second chances. They were a really fun team to watch uh, Friday night, and I I think that, uh, you know, I'm glad for them that they made history by being the first 16 ever to knock off a one.
0: Matt, we look at uh, today's game against U uh, M B C and Kansas State. Uh, uh, the winner of that obviously meets Kentucky. I think uh, you know. You know, we like to see Cinderellas pop up. We always root for the Cinderellas. Do we have a Cinderella with uh, UMBC? I see. I can't even say the name. Go right ahead, Matt.
2: Normally, I would say no, but but considering Kansas State is coached by Bruce Weber, who's had you know questionable things all over the place. I'd say a win is possible, but I think UMBC cannot fall behind because it, just like Jay Bill has said after the they defeated Virginia on Friday, UMBC has not been under pressure at all in this tournament. If someone puts their feet to the fire at some point, like Kansas State might today, I think there could be a different story in the mix. But uh, if UMBC is able to stay with Kansas State uh, through the first half, who knows? Maybe we may see another surprise and possibly – them matching uh, what uh, Dunk City did a few years ago when they became the first 15 to reached the Sweet 16.
0: Hey, Mo, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, who they'll play. The winner of that game will play Kentucky. I saw Kentucky play uh, Davidson and Buffalo, and wasn't impressed really. I was impressed more really with their, the way they played against Davidson than I was against Buffalo. Buffalo is a pretty good team. They just got gassed at the end. Kentucky's not that good. I think either one of these two teams can beat Kentucky. Am I wrong? Uh no,
1: I, I think here's the problem with Kentucky. You know, they've had a very up-and-down year, uh, you know, and it's hard when you've got a bunch of young guys trying to get them to play to, you know, to learn each other and play together when there's no real uh, leadership on that team. They're a very athletic team. I mean, I will give them that. They're a very athletic team. They can shoot the basketball. But a lot of times with Kentucky, especially last night against Buffalo, it became a very, you know, one-on-one uh, a game. You know, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, uh, one-on-one matchups that the Kentucky tried to exploit, and they can do that because they are very athletic. Uh, you know, towards the end of the year, Kentucky played very, very well, uh, sort of played like they were coming together. But they didn't play great last night. They want to win it by 20, but the game was closer than that up until about the last four or five minutes. Uh, you know, Kentucky's a good team. They've got a good coach. Uh, but one thing about John Calipari, it seems like he's never been a great in-game coach. And can he bring these uh, young guys together and, and get them to uh, continue to move on this tournament is a big question. But I love the athleticism and the length of this Kentucky team.
0: Matt, let's talk a little bit about we know Buffalo got beat. We know Arizona got beat. We know Buffalo beat Arizona. Uh, Sean Miller and Arizona's had a lot going on behind the scenes with the FBI scandal, uh, a lot of uh, distraction. Did that play into the, the loss against Buffalo, or did Buffalo just come prepared and, and Arizona did not?
2: The Mac does not get respect, and I think it should. I mean, we've had discussions that people have had said they deserve an outside look for at-large bids. I think Akron was one of those a couple years ago. Toledo was in the mix a couple years ago as well. It didn't happen for them. But I think it shows that Buffalo and is right now right up there, and they gave mm-hmm. Kentucky a run. The thing, though, that helps Kentucky, though, and I think Mo will hit on it, is you look at that south bracket, what's left? I mean, if... Kansas State is there. That's an easy matchup. And if Cincinnati somehow falls to Nevada today, look who's left in the south. You have Kentucky, either Kansas State or UMBC, Loyola, Chicago, and Nevada. I'm not saying it's a free ride, but Kentucky may just be having the luck of the draw here. If they're not such a great team, they may be taking on opponents that they would not have expected to take on, and then they become the ultimate favorite. But So they may get a free ride, but I think the big thing is Cincinnati has got to beat Nevada. If Nevada beats Cincinnati today, uh, it's super advantage for Kentucky, I'd say, in the Sweet 16, especially in that South Regional.
0: Mo, let me let me talk with you about this. We were talking about Cinderellas earlier. Uh, maybe we, we, we're seeing the birth of Cinderella. Maybe we're seeing one begin to develop. L- L- Loyola Chicago uh, beats Miami, Florida, turns around and beats Tennessee, very well-respected team in the SEC, and now they beat either Nevada or Cincinnati. Would it be safe to say if they beat Nevada or Cincinnati that they become a Cinderella out of the South?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I I think so far they are, but they're you know they're another team that's. Uh, a long athletic team. They're uh, guys that can push the tempo. And you know, a lot of times against these these bigger teams, these uh uh these teams that they like you know, like a Tennessee, you know, they're not used to having somebody push the tempo against them. So uh I, I think that uh Loyola Chicago is a very fun team to watch, you know, and what an exciting finish last night. Uh you know, they're a team that's had uh, you know, two exciting finishes in a row and You know, that's the kind of stuff that you need to be able to do in this tournament. They haven't blown anybody out, but they've been able to win the close games, and I think that's important when it comes to a tournament like this. A very, very fun team to watch, and I look forward to watching them in the Sweet 16.
0: Matt, who gets into the Elite Eight from the Sweet 16 from the South?
2: Well, I think Kentucky right now has got to be the favorite of the South at this point. Uh, The key thing, like I said, is that Nevada-Cincinnati game. If somehow Cincinnati gets knocked out. Uh, I really do not like the chance of Nevada or Loyola Chicago or Kansas State or even UMBC beating Kentucky at this point. The thing is, though, you're going to unbelievably have, from what looked to be one of the tougher regions, all of a sudden it's going to look weak compared to what's coming out of the other three regions at this point. And I think that's the big shock right now. But, again, when you have a team like Virginia fall out, uh, it certainly it has muddied the water a bit. And add Tennessee going out, Arizona – Uh, Kentucky's looking real good in that bracket. And I think you take a look, as far as the national championship pick, the other three regions may be the place to look, like for a Villanova, a Duke, maybe a Michigan who just snuck past Houston last night uh, as possibly being the favorite uh, to win as opposed to the South. And it's not a knock against Kentucky, but I think just Kentucky is having a free ride right now with the inability to get a top-class opponent against them. And Of course, that's not their fault. But that's just how the tournament draws God so far at this point.
0: Well, I'll tell you one thing. If you're a Michigan fan, you got to be happy with two things. you got to be happy that you were able to sneak out a win against a very good Houston team. And you got to be happy that Gonzaga uh, just came and and, and and took care of business against Ohio State. We'll get to that game in a minute. I do want to get over to the east so that we've got time because I know Moza uh, got a hard stop with us. So we want to make sure that we do have time to talk about Butler uh, and uh, Purdue as well. But Villanova, will start there, guys. Villanova really has kind of just did exactly as we expected them to do. nothing real surprises there I was kind of surprised to see Virginia Tech fall Great, great story here Two West Virginia schools going to do a battle First NCAA win for, um, uh, for Marshall uh, Marshall beats Wichita State Let's talk, uh, Mo, about West Virginia, Murray State Wichita, Marshall And the matchup today between West Virginia Mountaineers And the Marshall... Whatever they are. The thundering herd of the The thundering hurt. Okay, there we go. <laughs>
1: they uh, you know, here's the thing about uh, West Virginia, man, they're they're a fun team to watch and they're a hard team to uh to score against a lot of time. You know, you look at a team that that's uh, amazing when it comes to playing defense. Uh so we remember we were calling them what Press Virginia just a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, I, I like I like this West Virginia team. I like Bob Huggins. Uh, You know, Marshall was a fun story the other night knocking off uh, Wichita State, but I think the road ends here today for uh, Marshall and the Thundering Herd, I think it's a West Virginia game today.
0: Matthew, let's go on down. Obviously, uh, uh, Florida beats the Blondies. The Blondies beat UCLA. UCLA really uh, uh, was kind of a nobody. I'm going to be surprised if uh, Steve Alford makes it. I think he might make it another year out there in uh, Southern California, but I think it's time for him to maybe start uh, putting out his resumes, if you will. But certainly, uh, they they earned the right to play Florida. Florida uh, plays uh, Texas Tech. uh, I I mean, didn't you have the Texas Tech Uh, SFA uh, team, which I I, kind of thought that we'd see a little bit more action there, Uh, but you've got Florida and Texas Tech uh, going, uh, and and then you've got today Butler and Purdue, so that'll take us to the Butler-Purdue game. I'm sorry I got sideways. I zigged when I should have zagged. So, Matt, we'll start with you. Butler and Purdue, big game here for uh, local Indiana fans.
2: This is the proving ground for Matt Painter. He says, and he has said since he brought him in, That Matt Harms is the next improved version of Isaac Haas. With Isaac Haas, even though he's trying to play, I seriously doubt he's going to play because otherwise, unless he's got a hook shot, he's got a hook shot three throws, there's no way he's going to be effective with that fractured elbow. This is the opportunity for Matt Harms to prove that he is the next star center in Purdue. And even without that, I still think they got enough firepower because you still got Carson Edwards, you still got Vince Edwards. Uh, I think at that point, the only other thing that you need is maybe a Ryan Klein to step up. And if you go by that, even without Isaac Haas, I think they have no excuse not to beat Butler at this point. Yeah, Butler's got a lot of firepower, but I think if you look on paper, even without Haas, Purdue should still win this game. Now, of course, when they get to Texas Tech in the Sweet 16, I think that'll be another story.
0: Uh, Mo, let me talk with you a little bit. Let's unpack this Butler-Purdue game. I, I think a lot of people thought this was the year for the Boilermakers. Don't get me wrong. I bleed IU. I'm a diehard IU fan. But it was, it was. hey, I'm rooting for them. They're Big Ten. They're here in Indiana. We're very, we're very, very close to Purdue. We certainly know Purdue. We follow them very closely here in central Indiana, as well as Butler uh, being located right here in the metro area of Indianapolis, right in our backyard. Uh, so certainly like both of those teams, I think most IU people are rooting for Butler, but let's unpack this game. These are two really good teams out of Indiana that can really make a showing going deep into the tournament.
1: Yeah, you know, this isn't the Butler team of the last couple of years. They're still a very talented team. You know, another well, their where first-year head coach after Chris Holtzman went to Ohio State. Here's the problem, and I have, I honestly, I have Purdue in my bracket losing today, and here's why, because this is the point uh, of the season usually where Purdue tends to fall apart when it comes to these tournament games. And they have not proven to me over the past three or four years, uh, Matt Painter hasn't proven that he can win these big games when it comes to these games. And so, you know, Butler's got a lot of tournament experience. Uh, they play a very tough schedule through uh, out, out the regular season as well. They've knocked off, uh, you know, uh, a team like Villanova this year. I like Butler in this basketball game. Purdue should win, just like Matt said, Purdue should win this game. They've got so much uh, talent on this basketball team that so this should be a no-brainer that Purdue walks out of here today. But, they haven't proven uh, to me over the past four or five years that they can win these type of basketball games when it comes tournament time. So I've got the Butler Bulldogs moving on today. And, and you know, and, and maybe I want to be in completely wrong. and Maybe today is the day that Purdue does win, uh, proven to us that they can win these tournament games. But to me, Matt Painter hasn't done it yet uh, at Purdue. And so I, I can't pick Purdue today to win this basketball game. They just haven't proven to me. The odds show that this is a, a Butler team that should beat Purdue today.
0: Well, I'm with both of you when it comes to Matt Painter. Matt Painter's a lot uh, uh, like uh, Sean Miller, who's not really proven to me a lot that they could do a lot in the tournament, even though they've been popular. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I picked Purdue in this particular uh, matchup, and obviously that was before we even knew uh, about Isaac Haas. Matthew, what do you think the impact of Isaac Haas not being able to play? We're going to assume he's not going to be able to play. That's the last... Word that we got from Purdue uh, that they're not gonna, that he's not going to uh, play today. How big of an impact is that going to have on the Purdue squad today?
2: Well, that's a position where I think Butler's going to exploit. I think they have a couple big guys inside uh, jo- Joey Bronk, uh, Nate Fowler, as well that I think could become key factors right now if Matt Harms gets into foul trouble, and then. They have a third stringer there, Purdue, but he's very raw at this point at that center position. So I think if they can get the ball inside, Butler can exploit that. Add to that, Butler's also got decent perimeter shooting as well. So uh, the thing is, though, even if Purdue does win this game, I just do not like their chances of who's left out there. I mean, even if they win today, they're not going to beat Texas Tech. They're not going to beat Villanova. They just don't have the firepower to beat those two teams. I don't think they have the firepower if West Virginia advances and then somehow upsets Villanova. So, at this point, uh, Purdue's going to win this one. But beyond that, I think their run's going to be done if they get to Thursday or Friday.
0: Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about Purdue moving forward or Butler moving forward, either which way. they got to face Texas Tech. I saw Texas Tech last night uh, play Florida. Florida's a very good team this year. They eked out a win against Florida. Texas Tech could be who we see go into the Sweet 16 there from the East.
1: You know, and they, and they could be. Here's a team, though, in Texas Tech that's not tournament proven. They don't have a lot of NCAA experience. And so, this time of year, you wonder uh, does, it, does that overcome uh, you know, the kids who haven't been here and haven't done it? You know, you've got a squad in Butler who's been there and done that. You know, they've been to two championship games. None of these players, but it's a school, and it has a pedigree over the last five, six, seven years of, of having deep runs in the NCAA tournament. So that's that's the one thing that concerns me about Texas Tech. But on top of that, though, man, they're a really good basketball team. Uh, You know, they're fun to watch, and they've they've been a fun team to watch this year. So it'll be fun to match up to watch if it happens. Again, you know, at at some point, I wonder how long Purdue fans are going to put up with uh, Matt Painter. Uh, You know, he recruits well, obviously. He puts puts together good teams, but uh, teams that falter when it gets to the NCAA tournament. And let's be honest, that's what – a lot of uh, the college basketball coaches, their jobs depend on. So how long will it be just good enough for their fans to just get to the NCAA tournament and not really make some noise? Uh, like Matthew said, if they do get passed of the day, I, I think that will be the end of the line for them. There's not, they're not a team that I, I like in any matchup, like you said, moving forward.
0: We're we're talking with uh, Mope the BS Sports Show and Matthew Embry uh, from up in Notre Dame Country, South Bend area. WSBT 96.1 FM. This is the balance uh march madness special we're breaking down all the brackets we're breaking down all of the action of the ncaa march madness we can put a little pause here guys on the games because we could not have a march madness 2018 uh conversation without having a march madness 2019 conversation and i think you guys know where i'm going with this so briefly let's get your thoughts on the fbi scandal is it going to shake up this year and and what do we know what do we don't know we'll start with you matt go right ahead
2: the problem is right now. After the NCAA was so harshly criticized with the way they handled the Penn State situation, that they were too harsh, they overreacted. I don't know what they're going to be able to do here. I really don't. I mean, when they really messed up in the harsh penalties they gave to Penn State, I, I mean, they're not going to give Arizona the death penalty for this, or Michigan State the death penalty for what's going on with this, plus the Nassar situation. Uh, I think, unfortunately, nothing changes, and, well, then at this point, uh, it's up to what the FBI is going to do, but I don't think uh, the NCAA is going to react because they got such bad press on how they reacted to the Sandusky situation at Penn State and, you know, attacking players that had nothing to do with Sandusky to begin with and, you know, members of the that had nothing to do with Sandusky to begin with uh, so I really do not think uh, the NCAA is going to be able to make a good decision on how to se- assess penalties. And at this point, I think it's going to be whether or not the FBI uh, does anything as opposed to the NCAA, because the NCAA really dropped the bomb uh, at that Penn State situation, and I think it's really going to be tough for them to justify any penalties, even as as bad as what we are hearing these could be. And obviously what's gone on with Dr. Nasser obviously is bad enough as well but I think it's going to be very tough for the NCAA to justify any penalties in a situation such as this.
0: And certainly, uh, uh, Mo, will go to you here on this too. We look at Tom Izzo being really knee deep in the Michigan State thing. Now, I'm not saying for one minute that uh, Tom Izzo had anything to do with, with the Nassar situation. But what I am saying to do is there's been a lot of things that's happened underneath his watch. One, are we going to see Tom Izzo at Michigan State next year? Two, are we going to see Dane Fife at, at, at Michigan State next year? Uh, three, what's going to happen? Here's what I don't I don't know what charges the FBI could bring. Maybe there's a money laundering charge that could be brought. But however, if the NCAA decides to change the rules and say. Uh, Athletes can be, air quote, employed by anybody. So if they're employed, air quote, uh, by a shoe company, air quote, and we want to endorse them, air quote, uh, then uh, there's no uh, illegal exchange of money. If they make that rule change, then I don't know where anybody gets any money laundering laws. There's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot of scandal going on here. I mean, really help us understand what is the FBI looking at. Let's really also be clear that Michigan State basketball program has nothing to do with with Nassar. It's just another issue that happened inside the, the NCAA. Go ahead, Mo.
1: Well, I mean, first off, I, I don't think anybody was shocked when they found out that money was exchanging hands going to kids that come to play basketball. No, at not at all. I mean, we've assumed that's, uh, that's happened for years. And, you know, and the NCAA is, is a very inept body. I, they, I'm not sure what good they do when it comes to things like this. Almost every investigation they've had has had to be brought to their doorstep by another party, whether it be an investigative reporter, the FBI, what have you. So the NCAA will, will screw this up regardless of what happens. I think all you see happening is maybe some teams having to give back games uh, or wins, and what does that really matter? We know at the end of the day they won the basketball game. We might see some coaches losing their jobs. We might see a couple of those assistant coaches wind up, uh, you know, doing probation or something like that. At the end of the day, I don't think anything majorly happens uh, to this because the NCAA is such an that group of people. I, I don't know how they go forward and try to do something. Uh, you know, like Matt said, they, they lowered the boom so hard on Penn state, that how do they not screw this up now? You know, uh, if they're going to move forward with punishments, it needs to be directly against the school and the coaches and anybody involved, uh, you know, personnel wise, not against incoming athletes who had nothing to do with this. So, Uh, I don't see where we go forward from this where it's a big deal uh, moving forward as we go into 2019 other than somehow the NCAA screwing the whole thing up.
0: Which is very well possible. Guys, I'm I'm seeing this on social media just as an FYI. Purdue's Isaac Haas has emerged from the locker room uh, to a big ovation from Boilermaker fans. He is trying to shoot. He is doing some workouts. I don't think that means he's going to play. I think it just means that he wants to be out there with his team as far as support. I honestly don't think he's going to be able to play uh, in today's game. Uh, Matt, who gets to the Sweet 16 out of the East?
2: Yeah, just going back on that, I remember 1995 final, Tyus Eddie had suffered a wrist injury in the Final Four for UCLA, tried to play with the wrist and couldn't do it. I think they'll give him a chance and it's going to prove he can't do it. They'll go immediately with Harms and then go from there. Uh, as far as the East of this point, I just think Villanova is too strong right now. Unless somehow, some way, they play a bad game like Virginia did against UMBC, I just do not see how uh, Jay Rice Club uh, doesn't get to San Antonio.
0: So uh, we'll start with you, Mo, because, Mo, I know that you've got a hard opt-out, so this might be the last uh, time we could go to you, so just let me know about that. But we're going down uh, to the west. Obviously, Xavier uh, in Florida State doing battle today. Talk with us a little bit about that game.
1: Well, you know, it's a game that I don't think a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of people across the country get to see Xavier play a lot this year. They're another team uh, that's a very tough defensive team. They can play the inside-outside game. You know, they're a team that uh, I got to see play a lot this year, a very fun team to watch. And, you know, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't look past the Xavier team for doing some more damage in this tournament. Uh, you know, that being said, Florida State's a, a, you know, a tough team each and every year. I just think that the Xavier club uh, is too tough this year for Florida State to get by. I, I like Xavier a lot. And like I said, I've got to see them play seven, eight times this year, and they're a fun basketball team, and they're very hard to score against. So watch, watch the defensive play of Xavier today.
0: And, guys, just for the record here, and we will crucify him next week on the show, Rick Riggin was scheduled <laughs> to be with us. Uh, he is down in Nashville. He was going to call from Nashville. He, he, he pumped me up. He's like, man, I'm going to call, I'm going to call, I'm going to call. I'm like, okay. And so now I get a text from him. He's like... Man, there's a lot of beer in Nashville. So it's not looking good for uh, Rick Rickett to call us today, but he is down there in Nashville. He did get an opportunity to uh, uh, catch a glimpse, uh, and I believe we may meet Bill Murray. Bill Murray's son is an assistant coach, and and I know he was hanging out at uh, Stables or something, and uh, Coyote Ugly. And uh, and, and to mention that, I told him, I said, it's okay, dude, because... I know it's St. Patrick's Day. I know it's March Madness. I know you're out of town without the wife and the kids and with the guys. I get it. He's like, no, no, I'll be there. But hey, I'm glad he's having a great guys' trip. Uh, but we will uh, promptly crucify him on the show next week. Matt, what are your thoughts on today's game against, uh, I mean, Xavier? I'm sorry, Xavier and Florida
2: State. This is the first game where I think Xavier could have a problem. Uh, Florida State is one of those hard-nosed teams that will just attack, attack, attack. They put a drubbing on Missouri in the first half. Now, granted, Missouri did come back and give it, make it a game of more, a little while in the second half, but they had a 22-point lead at the half. Florida State is a type of team that if you fall asleep, you can get buried. Uh, that's what, just exactly, I mean, they're a quick sight team. That's the kind of thing that Leonard hamilton has had, even when he was the coach at Miami, uh this is a game where Xavier cannot come out flat. They do. They could have a hard time uh putting away the Knolls uh when we get to the second half or down the stretch.
0: And uh Mo uh Mo, are you going to be able to stay with us here Are you got to go or
1: Uh I'm going to have to jet, guys.
0: Okay, buddy. You have yourself a good weekend. I know you said you had a hard stop and we appreciate you joining us. Uh, myself and Matthew will will hold the ship down and we'll talk with you again uh, uh next weekend on the show, sir. All right, guys, thanks so much. All right, Mo for the BS Bow show, show joins us. Uh, obviously, he's a, a a dad first and a radio guy and sports guy second. Uh, so uh, no, 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 uh, no, nothing against that. So Matt, we uh, we move forward. You and I. It doesn't look like we're gonna get Rick Riggin on the show. I can't say that I really blame him. Uh, but let's let's talk a little bit about Gonzaga. Gonzaga, Ohio State last night. I tell you what you got to go back to the South Dakota State game. And, you know, I, I'm an IU guy, and I talk trash to uh, Ohio State fans. Next to Notre Dame fans, they're probably the loudest, most obnoxious people in, in the fan base. But, oh, I'm just kidding. But South Dakota State really showed me that Ohio State was not ready for the tournament this year. And that just went on to prove with Gonzaga. Now, I've got Gonzaga moving forward. I had them beating – I had them beating um, – ohio state anyway i actually thought that south dakota state would beat ohio state i thought that would be that one of those 512 upsets that we see a lot i didn't see that at all happen in any of the brackets matthew so i don't know if we could read into the tea leaves on that but at the same time uh gonzaga is a good team let's talk a little bit about if they meet either uh xavier or florida state does gonzaga keep
2: moving? I have them moving, but the thing, though, that's scary about Gonzaga is they had problems beating UNC Greensboro. They had a 15 nothing lead against Ohio State last night, and they let Ohio State back in the game where Ohio State had as much as a four-point lead at one point. Uh, that's a scary factor, so Gonzaga just can't leave, keep their foot off the throttle. Like I said, Florida State's a dangerous team, and Xavier's certainly a dangerous team. Now, I have Gonzaga reaching the Elite Eight and giving uh, Michigan, North Carolina one run, but I think ultimately... Uh, Gonzaga has not played a complete game yet. Once they do, I think they'll be fine. But they haven't quite gotten there, uh, being able to put all the pieces together up to now, at least from what I've seen in the games played at this point.
0: So certainly uh, we're uh, talking uh, with Matthew Embry. uh, who typically on the balance is our IndyCar contributor, but he also works for WSBT up in Notre, in Notre Dame Country, uh, 96.1 FM, and helping us break down uh, the brackets in our NCAA March Madness uh, special. Let's talk a little bit about the Houston journey to Michigan. Michigan just barely ekes out a a win. Houston's been a very good team. That's Bruce Pearl's team down there, I believe. We're very familiar with Bruce Pearl here in Indiana, unfortunately. Actually, Calvin Uh, Sampson. uh, Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Calvin Sampson. I apologize. My fault. My fault. That's who I was thinking of. Uh, I don't know why I do this. They don't really look alike, but I always get them two confused. I always get those two confused. Okay, so anyway, Houston, very good team. Michigan. Let's, let's unpack this with Michigan. Certainly, if you're an Ohio State fan, you're hating Michigan, you're hating Gonzaga. If you're a Michigan fan, you're loving Michigan and you're loving Gonzaga. So what are your thoughts?
2: Well, Michigan is hot again, just like they were last year. Uh, even though Mo Wagner, excuse me, Mo Wagner was a disappointment uh, last night, really didn't do much for them, uh, Michigan just has a way of pulling out the wins. And let's say Houston had their chances to put this game away. They couldn't do it. Uh, and Michigan takes advantage, gets the late buzzer beater to win, and uh, I think they have a fair chance, uh, especially against North Carolina or Texas A&M, uh, probably going to be North Carolina uh, getting to the Sweet 16 coming up on Friday. I think they have a legitimate chance to give North Carolina a run, if not beat them as I have them uh, beating North Carolina when before the tournament started.
0: Let's talk a little bit about North Carolina. Today they beat Texas A&M. Texas A&M has had a relatively easy flow, if you will. Uh, certainly they, their game against uh, uh, Providence uh, was, was not really a hard game for them to win. So they're challenged today. Texas A&M, I really believe, could beat North Carolina. I do have them moving forward in the bracket to play Michigan, and I do have uh, Michigan going forward from that game. But Texas A&M, North Carolina today, 5:15 Eastern time. What say you, sir?
2: The thing is, Kent, they obviously got the double-edged sword and Joel Berry II and Luke May to stop for Texas A&M. And Texas A&M, it should not have been that close to Providence, so that's a red flag for me right there. Uh, And even if you stop those two guys, you did got to worry about Cam Johnson, Kenny Williams, Theo Pinson, and even the bench is strong for North Carolina. So uh, I just don't think Texas A&M could get there. Now, granted, Texas A&M give give teams like Kentucky and some other teams in the SEC, which got a lot of teams in this year, a run for their money. I just don't think it's going to be enough to get them over the hump and uh, beat a North Carolina team that like, again, is playing like a defending national champion should be. They're being competitive again, and uh, who knows? Maybe if things go the right direction, they could get to the Final Four and have a chance to uh, become the first uh, back-to-back championship uh, winner since Florida.
0: Who gets to the Sweet 16 out of the
2: West, sir? I will say Michigan, but I would not be surprised North Carolina gets there.
0: Let's go over to the Midwest, if you will, and let's uh, talk a little bit about what's going on over there in Omaha. Omaha! Omaha! Bringing back the Peyton Manning days. All right, Kansas, number one. Now, here's let me point this out. I think a lot of people like Penn. Penn played Kansas very, very strong. I think Kansas had uh, – I actually, in one of my uh, Cinderella air quote brackets, I, I put together – I had Penn winning it all. So Penn's a very good team. Penn played Kansas very, very good. Uh, uh, so you've got Kansas and uh, Seton Hall. Uh, Seton Hall, well, wasn't much of a matchup for Kansas. So you look at what's going to be happening here between Clemson and New Mexico State. I thought they're getting at 5-12. I just, I just. Thought something was going to happen, so there again I had New Mexico State going on the all the way to the uh, Sweet 16. That did not happen. So you've got a classic SEC matchup. Clemson and Auburn this evening, to, and the winner gets to do battle with Kansas for a, a, a Sweet 16 uh, seed.
2: Well, I think Kansas is still – showing a few chinks in the armor. I mean, they had chances, multiple chances to put Seton Hall away, and they couldn't do it. Seton Hall was right there up to the end, only lost by four points. Uh, Clebson, I think, is the team that's going to beat Auburn. Uh, Auburn had enough trouble, as it was, with the Charleston team that didn't look much didn't look much better either on Friday. So I think Clebson finds a way to get that victory. And if they get off to a good start uh, coming up this weekend or next week at Omaha, I think they can give Kansas a run for their money. I don't think they'll beat them, but... I think they will give them certainly another scare on the road. And uh, like we said, Kansas has had a little bit of an iffy start uh, to this tournament. Ped gave them a run for uh, a half, one and a half half so about 30 minutes. Seton Hall certainly gave them a run for about 30-35 minutes. I think said could be the one to put them away. And even if they do get by said, they still have a problem with either Michigan State or Duke looking ahead uh, to the sweet other half of that Sweet 16 Elite Eight matchup.
0: Absolutely. So what we've got is we had TCU and Syracuse. Syracuse uh, really had a close win against... Uh, TCU, and I think this is the first time We've seen them in the round of 32, uh, at least with the Opportunity going to Sweet 16 in a while I could be wrong about that, I gotta check my facts But Syracuse, Michigan State uh, Today, 240 I like Michigan State, I like the Spartans In fact, in a couple of my brackets I got them going all the way to the championship game Uh, And Duke I mean, you looked at them play Rhode Island last night Uh, Rhode Island came out Strong, and I think I think Duke is completely beatable by uh, Michigan State, not so much by Syracuse. So let's uh, break down that Syracuse-Michigan State. I don't see any challenges here for the Spartans. I, I know I'm a Big Ten homer, uh, and I'm not a big Syracuse fan. But that said, I think Syracuse's uh, dance ends today.
2: The thing with Syracuse, though, is they run lucky. They got several breaks in their favor against TCU with lucky shots that banked off and somehow went in. If they could get a few lucky shots, they can give Michigan State a problem. I just do not see how they're gonna beat Michigan State's gonna beat Duke though. I mean Duke went nine minutes in the first half against Rhode Island last night without missing a single field goal. That is a scary, scary fact. And when you have a player like Melvin Bagley Junior who is absolutely tearing it up on the inside, even with Michigan and Miles Bridges and all that they've got. I don't think it's going to be pale in comparison right now. I think Duke is the team that not only beats Michigan State, but then also gets by Kansas and gets to potentially the national championship game where they have a chance to win back another title for Mike Krzyzewski. And, of course, Mike, big game coming up for that regional semifinal. Mike Krzyzewski has a chance to win his 11th, 100th game as a head coach of college basketball if he beats Michigan State or Syracuse on Thursday.
0: Yeah, but you got to remember, Duke last just last year got put out in round two, so uh, I I don't know that that we could. Duke is a good team, don't get me wrong. And if it was Syracuse there, if they find a way to beat Michigan State today, I think you're absolutely right. But I just think Michigan State really is a solid all-around game uh, team on that. So we'll see. Somebody's bracket's going to get busted if either one of those teams, when those teams get together and, and uh, play Michigan State and Duke. Okay, well, let's uh, kind of move forward, and, and uh, we've got a little bit of time left here. Let's go back up, up to the uh, south and let's talk a little bit about uh, the Sweet 16, who we think is going to be in the Sweet 16, who's going to be in the Elite Eight out of the South.
2: Well, in obviously, I think Kansas into the
0: Final Four. Go ahead.
2: Kansas State beats UMBC today. I think Kentucky blows away Kansas State. Uh, Cincinnati, I think, does find a way to beat a very aggressive Nevada team, and then it gets by Loyola Chicago. Great story, but I think Loyola Chicago's run ends. And then I think Kentucky... This is what John Calipari does. He, this is, he does not have his teams ready for non-conference play. He has them ready when the tournament starts, and that's why they get the low seeds, but then they are such a tough out. I think Kentucky finds a way to beat Cincinnati and gets to the Final Four. And then out of the West, I have Michigan getting through, as I mentioned. I think in a tough game, I believe Michigan finds a way to beat Kentucky and gets to the Final. And then, like I said, Villanova is just too good in the East right now. And then Midwest. Uh, Duke, I think, finds a way to get through Michigan State and Kansas and then gets by Villanova. And I think then it's going to be a battle between Michigan and Duke, a rematch of the 92 championship game. And I think Duke finds a way to win another national championship for Mike Krzyzewski at this point.
0: Let's go over to the east, the uh, uh, Sweet 16. What say you, sir?
2: Well, as I just mentioned, Villanova gets through. I think West Virginia Marshall is no match for Villanova. Even if Purdue beats – Butler today, which I still think is going to be a tough test, as we mentioned with uh, Mo earlier. Texas Tech, I think, is the better team there. And then Texas Tech with just doesn't have the inside force to challenge with Villanova. Villanova gets the job done in the East, as I mentioned.
0: And uh, the Midwest, sir, what say you?
2: Kansas gets through to the Elite Eight. Uh, I don't think it matters whether or not it's Clepson or Auburn. Uh, It's going to be a tough test there for Duke, but I think they have just enough firepower to get by Michigan State, assuming they beat Syracuse. And then I think Kansas has shown enough chinks in the armor where Duke or Michigan State or wins that game is going to get by Kansas and then get to the final four.
0: Let's play a little what-if games. Let's, you know, because here's the thing. Uh, I don't know that, I, that March Madness has shown me anything when we saw Virginia get beat, we saw Arizona get beat, we've seen uh, Marshall win. I don't think that this bracket is anywhere but stable. Maybe, maybe it's stabilizing. But let's, let's play a little what-if game. What if UMBC beats Kansas uh, State?
2: I just think right now, UMBC, unless Kentucky has serious injury problems or something like that or something bizarre happens where they have violations or something with Calipari and they get kicked out of the tournament, they're not going to beat Kentucky. I mean, the pressure and, I mean, the media attention is going to be massive with them being the first 16 seed, not only to win a first-round game but to get to the Sweet 16. It's going to be absolutely massive, and that takes away from – and that adds to the pressure, and that's something that UMBC has not had to face. I think it's going to be too much against Kentucky – And Loyola-Chicago, again, a great story, but they've had to rely on last-second buzzer beaters to beat both Miami of Florida and Tennessee. I just don't think their luck's going to continue uh, if they have to do that against Nevada or Cincinnati in the Sweet 16.
0: What if Butler beats Purdue and beats Texas Tech?
2: Villanova, yeah, that's a tough game, but Villanova, keep in mind the Butler win was at Butler, uh, neutral site game It's going to be closer to Villanova's area. I think it's going to be essentially a Villanova home game. I think that's going to make the difference there. Butler will give it a go, but I just don't think they're going to have enough to quite get by Villanova and keep them out of the Final Four.
0: <laughs> well, we, we saw what happened in the ACC tournament when Butler and Villanova met. It was not pretty. But let's play what if. What if Marshall beats West Virginia and beats Villanova?
2: I still think then – the winner of that Texas Tech-Purdue game gets by them. Uh, Marshall has a good shooting game, but the, the reason they beat Wachita State is they could not miss from the outside. I mean, they were even chucking up 30-footers from the outside, and they were going in. I mean, I mean, think, what was it, David Antideli said, From the hash, Carter, or something like that, or <laughs> one of those big shots. So... <laughs> Unless those continue to go in, I just don't think they're gonna beat West Virginia or even find a way to get by Villanova.
0: Well, you know, we always like to root for the underdog and that's fun and you know, I, I agree with you, I'm not disagreeing with anything that you say. Trust me, I don't have, I do have my Cinderella bracket, that's the just for fun bracket. But it's always fun to see these upsets and these bracket busters. If we have any bracket busters left in the in the tournament, where are they at?
2: Obviously, with Virginia out, it's got to be in the south right now. I mean, you have a chance for possibly two double-digit seeds to reach the Sweet 16. If UMBC somehow beats Kansas State, obviously, Chicago's already gotten there. Uh, That's where the bracket buster, the Cinderella story, I think is going to come from. But, again, the problem is Kentucky was eliminated by Buffalo. I think that would have made it a whole lot more exciting had Buffalo found a way to beat Kentucky. I just don't think Kansas State, with Bruce Weber's, Uh, questionable uh, coaching tactics is going to find a way to get by them. And UMBC, a great story. Ryan Odom, a great coach, but I just don't think they have enough. Uh, Obviously, the unknown factor helps them, but I just don't think they have the players or the talent to be able to get by a Kentucky team. That is much more aggressive, I should say, in tactics than Virginia was.
0: So, uh... Who do you think is left and who's going to be in the championship game out of what we know and what we expect to happen logically and we're we're to say, okay, uh, us using our brains, tell us that these two teams will be in the championship game. Who would that be?
2: Duke and Michigan. Duke has proven, I think, the naysayers throughout the entire way, and I think Michigan finds a way to beat North Carolina in the Sweet 16 and then finds a way to beat either Gonzaga or Xavier, and then Kentucky. I think uh, they are the hot team right now, but unfortunately you've got to do it six times, and I think Michigan could get five. I just don't think they can get number six when it comes down to Duke in the final.
0: So you have Duke winning it all now? Is that, is that what you're saying?
2: Over Michigan, because I had Duke originally in the bracket final before Virginia went out, so i got to stick with what I had in the bracket.
0: Well, my uh, two winners out of my couple brackets that I have, and I have a few brackets, so we'll just go with the two that I'm paying the most attention to. I've got Cincinnati and Michigan State. Right now, Cincinnati appears to have the easiest path. I don't know that, that the South is that hard of a, of a bracket. I, again, I agree with you. I think if we're going to see an upset, it's going to come from the uh, uh, south there. So we'll, we'll see what happens. A lot of stories are going to be told today. A lot of stories are going to be told next weekend uh, for the Sweet 16 as we get into the Elite Eight and the Final Four. We got just a few more minutes left here. Let's talk a little bit about the NIT. We talked, I, I have to admit, I'm going to rely on your uh, knowledge on this because I did not follow the NIT like I normally would have. IU did not go to the NIT. I knew Notre Dame was in there. I thought they advanced. I guess they lost last night, according to Let's talk about the NIT and what happened inside the NIT action this week.
2: Well, they're down the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16 Elite Eights. Penn State won, as I predicted. That was the only game that was today. I think the rest of the second rounders are today, Oregon, Marquette, Baylor, Mississippi State, Middle Tennessee against Louisville, USC, Western Kentucky, Stanford, Oklahoma State, St. Mary's, who I think is still a team that keeps getting overlooked, should have been the tournament against Washington and then LSU against Utah. Uh, if St. Mary's could find a way to get Washington, I think they Dow could be the favorite in who is left. I mean, Baylor's obviously a solid team. Middle Tennessee State's a solid team. But I think of the teams that are left in the draw, uh, 29-5, and and that's not just by luck. Uh, St. Mary's, I think, really had a case to get in with a 28-5 and record, and they got overlooked by the committee. And uh, if they find a way to get to Madison Square Garden and win the NIT, uh, that would be – I would not be surprised in the least. And then how about this women's tournament, UConn, last night, uh, Tom, 140 points scored against St. Francis, PA. Uh, I hate to say it, but is there a way where you can see UConn losing the women's tournament at this point based on that performance? A 140 points. They scored 94 points at the half yesterday against St. Francis.
0: The thing about UConn, and, again, I, I, I applaud their success but, you know, when you look at some of this FBI stuff that's going on, these paved to play I wonder if it goes on in the women's basketball arena. I wonder if UConn is – it just seems like they can't lose. There's no way they, they can they, They're like Alabama in football. They just can't lose. UConn wins every year in the women's basketball championship,
2: every year. Well the problem is though is UConn continues to win and where do the top players wanna be? They wanna be at a winner. They don't wanna be at Purdue, they don't wanna be at Notre Dame, they don't wanna be at these other schools because they don't win championships. UConn does. So that provides them no incentive to go anywhere else. And I mean yes, there are some players that do go elsewhere, but I think right now, as long unless Connecticut has some a bad season or something that scares away recruits Geno's going to get to get the top players, and they're going to continue to be a dominant force, uh, and a force that is almost impossible to be. I mean, Quinnipiac, I feel bad for them tomorrow. They're going to absolutely get blown away. Uh, Duke, Georgia, I don't think is going to have a threat for them. South Carolina, maybe South Carolina gives them a run at the bottom half of the draw, maybe Florida State, but you look at that draw right now, and you know, I mean, it's, we call it the way we see it. We don't take sides here. But getting UConn out of this tournament before they get to the Final Four again looks almost difficult and almost impossible at this point.
0: I'm going to go with the word impossible until I'm proven otherwise. I'm I'm going to ride that husky train as far as it goes. And that's great. Again, I applaud their success, but it does and you know, let's 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 also be realistic. The recruitment pool is a lot smaller in the women's world than it is in the men's world. So let, let's be clear about that, too. So there's there's not as many great players in the women's NCAA or, as there are the men. So let's talk a little bit you know, going back to the NIT and the in the NCAA tournament, okay? Obviously, what happens in a lot of cases, especially when we look at Notre Dame, who just barely missed it, we look at other teams like St. Mary's, you mentioned them, other teams in the NIT that were basically bubble teams for the NCAA. We look at the selection committee. do we are we okay with the way that the selection committee comes up with the the NCAA big dance bracket? Or are we not okay with it? Now, am I saying that IU should have been there? No, not this year. But what I am saying is there are bubble teams that I feel like maybe got pushed aside because they wanted to have more Big Ten teams. And let's just say it, Oklahoma should not have been in the uh NCAA tournament.
2: Treatment of mid-majors like Middle Tennessee State and St. Mary's is the biggest gripe I had. I think Middle Tennessee... Yes, their biggest win was against Murray State, but they had a very solid resume. And the times they have gotten into the tournament, I remember they were a 15 C and they absolutely walloped Michigan State. So this is a team that's got potential. Kermit Davis, a terrific coach. the same thing goes with St. Mary's. I mean, they were right on their tail. Yes, they lost to BYU in the West Coast Conference tournament. BYU is a solid team. I mean, BYU got into the NIT. So. Uh, that's the one gripe I have right now is the mid-majors. And I think the thing is, though, and I hate to say it, when the tournament committee head is at Creighton, a school that went from mid-major to power conference, essentially he's telling these mid-majors, if you're not in a power conference, you're not going to get attention. and That's the big gripe I have right now. I know Seth Davis with CBS and Sports Illustrated has said the same thing. But I think that's the biggest issue right now is that it's still – wagered or leaning more toward power conference teams getting at-large bids as opposed to the mid-majors, and there's got to be some kind of balance to reward teams like St. Mary's, like Middle Tennessee State that have great seasons, and then, I mean, you're putting too much pressure on them to win their conference tournament.
0: Been talking with Matthew Embry from up in Notre Dame country here in Indiana. We're a national show, but we're certainly Indiana homers. Looking forward to watching that Butler Purdue game this afternoon at 12 o'clock, and uh, we'll see see what happens with that. Now, Matthew Embry, uh, uh, you can follow him uh, on Twitter, but also listen to him on WSBT up in. South Bend or Mishawaka, 96.1 FM. Mo from the BS Sports Show. You can find him online at Mo uh, Radio. We appreciate the guys joining us today for our annual uh, NCAA Balance March Madness special. So we've only got just a few more minutes left here. Matt, let's go ahead and just uh, take a recap and look at today's games just so that we got everything straight. Today, UMBC, great win over Virginia. Their dance ends today against Kansas State.
2: Correct. I think right now and we look- there's a lot of great players on their team. Obviously, Jairus Lyles had a terrific game, but I just don't think he's got another 20, 30-point game in him today uh, to be able to get through Kansas State. And then, of course, UMBC has to refocus after making history because I'm sure the media has been going through them the last uh, 48 hours. They have to focus in and get the job done again, and the question is do they have enough left in the tank to do it.
0: I certainly hope so. I'm rooting for the underdog. I'm rooting for the Cinderella. I do have Kansas State in my bracket, but, you know, from the aspect, I I, I root for the Cinderella, I hope so. Uh, Talking about Cinderella's uh, Marshall, West Virginia today, I think we both agree that uh, Marshall's uh, dance ends against the Mountaineers. Today, the Mountaineers will face uh, Villanova on the 23rd in the uh, Sweet 16. Uh, Any disagreements on that?
2: Actually, keep in mind I had Westbury State beating West Virginia, so I think of the five seeds, West Virginia too. is the too. weakest. So if you go by that, maybe Marshall's got a chance. But again, like I said, they got to shoot the lights out like they did against Michigan or Wichita State to make that happen.
0: So uh, give me just a second here. Okay, I think I think we might end up getting ripped for some vital comments. I'm not sure yet. So uh, let's go ahead and go on over to, uh, we'll make sure I'm not missing any games here in the South. Okay, so the South today, we've got Nevada and Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati it has got, the, the uh, number of Nevada, and man, that's going to be a great game against Royal or Chicago. But I certainly uh, think it'll be Cincinnati and Kentucky uh, moving that's forward. That's the at game that, point. that
2: I think ultimately determines how this bracket will play out. If Nevada knocks out Cincinnati, that's the last hurdle I think that Kentucky's got. The only question then is when Kentucky gets to the Final Four, are they going to be battle tested enough to beat a team like Michigan? That's why I have Michigan going to the National Championship game. So this is the ultimate game. If somehow Nevada finds a way to come back again like they did against Texas, uh, then you've got them potentially playing a 9 or a 16 and then 11 or a 7 in the Elite Eight. You've got to like Kentucky's chances right now. So I think if you're hoping, if you're an anti-Kentucky fan and you are hoping they do not get into the Final Four, you are hoping Cincinnati wins that game today against Nevada. (laughs)
0: Let's just say I am not a UK fan, uh, and I have a lot of reasons for not being for being not being a UK fan. All right, today Butler Purdue. I think we're split down the middle on that. I think a part of us are saying Purdue, part of us are saying Butler. I'm actually saying Purdue. I know most saying Butler, but either which way, they've got a tough matchup against Texas Tech uh, to get uh, to, to move forward.
2: I think that's a good way to put it right now. Obviously, I think obviously the question is going to be about Haas. I don't think he's going to play. Well, then, like we said, Matt Painter keeps saying Matt Harms is the real deal. He is the superstar. If he can't get it done here, then I don't know what you say at this point because the options with Butler right now are good enough that they can KO uh, Purdue in the second round. And then obviously the question is do they have enough power to beat the teams that are left beyond that, Villanova, obviously, and then Texas Tech.
0: We have some games in the Midwest today, a uh, great SEC matchup, Auburn versus Clemson. I think Auburn versus Clemson, uh, Auburn uh, goes forward.
2: Yeah, I think Auburn is going to be a tough one. I think Clemson finds a way to win this game because Auburn really had it tough against the Charleston team that I think was less than advertised, and Clemson beat a New Mexico team that I think was more than advertised, so... If you go by that situation, I think Clepson fights away, and uh, I think it'll be fun to watch how Charles Barkley reacts when his Auburn Tigers get knocked out of this tournament. Because it was fun to watch uh, Candace Parker's reaction when that uh, buzzer beater went in for Loyola last night, for sure. Well,
0: absolutely. So we've got two more games, and then we're out of time here. Uh, so we've got Syracuse and Michigan State today.
2: Yeah, Syracuse, Michigan State, I think you look at that one. If Syracuse continues their run of luck, I think they could find a way to beat Michigan State. But I think if you go by, you know, common sense, Michigan State should get the victory there. And then it's a question where they can beat Duke uh, next week.
0: Texas A&M and North Carolina. Logical thinking would say North Carolina will beat Michigan. That's going to be tough, that 2-3 seed. But like you said, the Wolverines are hot now.
2: Yeah, obviously Michigan's going to be a tough one for North Carolina, but I think Joel Berry's going to be just enough. Luke Moy as well, they'll find a way to get by uh, Texas A&M. A team that's no slouch, but you can't like their chances uh, considering how much of a struggle they had to beat Providence. All right, guys,
0: that's going to do it. The the Balance March Madness Special has come to an end. I appreciate Matthew Embry uh, from uh, up in South Bend area at 96.1 FM, uh, WSBT joining us, and as well as Mo from the BS Sports Show. Remember, every Saturday morning on the Balance Radio Network, between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., the Balance, and we'll be back with a racing talk and all of that stuff that we do every Saturday morning right here on the Balance Radio Network. Uh, Matt? Any final words of wisdom? Where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir?
2: Again, M-A-T-T-E-M-B-U-R-Y. And don't forget, our coverage of NCAA Tournament starts on the main feed only here in about one minute. So if you're in the South Bend area, tune in to 96.1 now and enjoy basketball action from now until we get through all the games today.
0: All right, buddy, you have yourself a good uh, game, and good luck with your bracket, sir. Anytime, Tom. Matthew Embry and Mo for the BS Sports Show joined us today on our Balance March Madness 2018 special. Hope your brackets stay intact. In Good luck, everyone. Good luck, Cinderellas. Good luck, underdogs. Oh, and by the way, go Michigan State and Cincinnati because uh, those are the two brackets that I'm paying a lot of attention to. My name's Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Remember, as always, don't drink or drive. At school, I'm out of here. Deuces.